Welcome to the LA Soccer Hub Show. My name is Gio Garcia. Today is February 2nd, a day after the transfer rumor of the transfer window closed in Europe and some of the biggest uh, leagues in Europe closed yesterday. We have a lot of news to what's going on with LAFC, what happened yesterday, our reaction, and here to help me talk about it all, we got Alicia Rodriguez once again. Alicia, how are you doing? Doing well, Gio. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, of course. Um, just curious to ask, did you invest in any GameStop, any Dodgecoin or anything like that? Were you were you on that trend? No, uh, we actually do have an investment strategy. Um, and it was it, it's not one that's uh, dictated by the, the whims of Reddit or Discord. But uh, it's been really entertaining to follow the stories uh, around that for sure. So uh, I, I've, I've had a lot of uh, entertainment watching what's going on yeah and, it, and it, it's um it's very interesting to me to see how like right how volatile the market really is but also like people like elon musk that just hop on there and just you know make it just make it explode just the power of social media just one tweet he just makes things like that explode so i'm glad to hear that you didn't put your life savings on gamestop or dodgecoin or dogecoin or however you say it um, cause I, I've been just checking it, um, because I have a Robin hood account just to check it. And then I've been following all that. And then I noticed that you weren't able to trade, you weren't able to do any of that stuff. And then you get to really see how, you know, the markets are controlled to a certain extent, you know? So I just, I just found that interesting. And I, you know, I know you've been following with that and just want to know if you, you had dabbled or invested anything in there. No, I, um, I, I leave that to my significant other to do most of the investing. Uh, I worry about soccer stuff. Uh, I'm the, the chief soccer officer of, of our household. Um, and I let the uh, somebody else handle the money decisions for the most part. Nice. So how does how does that work? Does he does he come in and ask you for uh, advice when, you know, when he's here? Is he a big soccer fan as well? Not really, but uh, his work, my husband's uh, work group decided to do a fantasy league, but they wanted to do a fantasy league for something that none of them really knew about. So they picked the premier league uh, and they joined a premier league fantasy uh, league. And then he started asking me every week, uh, who should I put in my team? Uh, he wasn't supposed to ask a, an expert. It was supposed to be a novice <laughs> league so that no one knew about it. Uh, he kept asking me who to pick and I would tell him. And it turns out he didn't do any better than uh, the other novices who presumably weren't uh, using professionals who know a thing or two about soccer to uh help them with their picks so that gave me a little bit of uh you know a, a little bit of humility because uh I really I thought I was gonna help them you know win it in a in a walk and, and it didn't happen so yeah well fantasy I have experience playing fantasy you know it could change depending what the structure is of its season you know if it's weekly it all can change you know you could have a really good player and then you know things go down the hill from there but uh, but that's interesting though. I, I'm excited. I'm I'm happy to knowing that that you you're you're the you're the soccer expert and you know you're above it and every, everyone else in that soccer household as you should be because you have a lot of great information. Uh, so let's talk about the transfer. You know the transfer uh, situation. The window closed yesterday in Europe. All, all of your your biggest leads. Um, there was a lot of speculation, right? Obviously, the two biggest names for LAFC was is Brian Rodriguez. Uh, and Diego Rossi. Uh, I want to start off with, uh, before we get into LAFC, uh, Daryl DK. Um, he he has he made a move to English side Barnes, Barnsley FC on a short-term deal. Um, and it's been speculated here, reported that it, it's, it's $20 million for 80% of DK's rights, according to our source. Uh, 
And that to me is, is, is insane. But if that's what the market is for him, you know, I saw your tweet and it makes me wonder what that means for Diego Rossi. We obviously know now that Diego Rossi didn't move, but what were your initial thoughts about Daryl uh, DK? Well, I think for that clause, I think there's two things that could be in play um, related to DK in particular. So DK, he has uh, just finished his rookie season with Orlando City. Uh, before that, he played college soccer at Virginia and his brother and sister both uh, his brother's retired. I don't know about his sister, but they have previously been internationals. Um, they play for Nigeria. So, you know, there's some pedigree in the family. There's a potential for him to, um, you know, he, he he's also a U.S. international now. He got a, a cap on over the weekend. So that helped him with his work permit and, and getting over to England. Um, Barnsley is a, a team that is not a big spender. Um, they are not a club that you would associate with splashing out the cash for any kind of player. And so to have a player who's like release clause or purchase price would be uh, 20 million for 80%, uh, that pretty much automatically either means um, this is definitely a loan and it's not going to be a permanent move because I, I cannot see Barnsley paying anything remotely close to that. Um, and so Orlando want to make sure that they can get him back in a few months. Um, they want to make sure it's a, it's a temporary thing or they value him so highly that they're putting that out there, not for Barnsley's benefit, benefit, but for another club that does have some more purchasing power. And I think uh, you can still make an argument that uh, that's still a really steep price, uh, even for a promising player like him. He would have been the rookie of the year if MLS still had a rookie of the year award, but they happened to change it last year. But even so, you know, I think he scored eight goals, which is good for a rookie, but um, you know, not really what you think is going to light up uh, the second tier of, of English soccer necessarily. Uh, there's probably going to be a learning curve for him and, and that's totally fine, but you know, 20 million for, for the majority of his rights. So you would think maybe 25 million or something like that for his overall purchase price. I mean, that's a really, really big uh, price. So either, you know, Orlando are trying to guarantee that he returns or they're setting the price pretty high so that if a team does want to buy him, they get a good chunk, even if it doesn't end up being quite that high. You know, if, if, if they're kind of posturing at that level, then perhaps they'll settle for 8 million, you know, something like that. And that still would be a, a fantastic amount of business uh, for a player considering what the MLS going rate has been for, for somewhat comparable players. I think they would take that in a heartbeat, but uh, yeah, it, it definitely raised some eyebrows when we saw that for a variety of reasons. Yeah. And I think also just being attached to U.S. men's national team, um, you know, he obviously made a, made his cap over the weekend. And I think that that boosts his, uh, his value even more, you know, he's been, he's playing with the U.S. men's national team. I'm not sure if he scored, but they, they lit up the scoreboard. Um, and I think that that just adds more to his value. And you mentioned, you know, the pedigree of where his family comes from and, you know, they're, they're known, uh, you know, the, the name is known um, on the other side of the, of the, of the world. Uh, so it's pretty common. And I think that just, that just makes it more interesting because, you know, if you have a player that, like I like to see, have a player like Diego Rossi, um, I also get, I think it also gives other teams uh, kind of a, kind of, kind of an option to see, okay, if they're pricing that player and they're agreeing to terms over there, what can we agree to, right? Not saying that that's going to happen, but I think Diego Rossi is very interesting. You know, he, he obviously did not move. He's obviously the biggest 
the trans- transfer value that they have right now is Diego Rossi. And it all makes sense. I think they have them about close to 20 million. Last time I checked, it may be over by now. Um, over that amount, um, you know, he was linked to Reading FC. Uh, and then also Swansea towards the end of the, you know, the transfer so yesterday, which closed around 3 p.m. Uh, Pacific time here for us. Um, what do you what do you make about the, the teams he was linked with? And obviously now that he's back, he's not going anywhere. He's coming back to LAFC. Well, the Reading one, and I suppose you could say for Swansea, too, but for Reading, it, it kind of came out of the blue. Uh, I was a little bit surprised. I mean, Reading is a team that in recent years has kind of been up and down in their fortunes that, you know, they've had moments where. They look like they could press for promotion to the Premier League in, in years where they're like really adrift and just trying to stay alive. Uh, their head coach or manager right now is Velko Panovic, who of course um, managed the Chicago Fire uh, two seasons previously uh, or three seasons previously. So, you know, he has a lot of experience with the MLS market and that's actually not a bad idea for him to go looking in MLS at, at some value plays to bolster the squad for writing potentially. But I mean, if it were me, I don't know if Rossi would necessarily be the like the cheapest option. I think he's going to be one of the most expensive options if you're looking to, you know, do some bargain hunting. Um, So that was a little bit puzzling. I think for Swansea, it's a little bit different because they're a little more established. They've had uh, more Premier League success in recent years. They do have American ownership, which I know Rossi is not American. He's Uruguayan, but they have American ownership. And then they had a, a little bit of an American buying spree or MLS buying spree uh, in this window. They, they brought in Jordan Morris and uh, Paul Ariola on loan. So I think it's a little more plausible that they could have done that with, with Rossi as well. But I, I really think that uh, LAFC have their number. And if it, if no one's getting close to that number, they're not going to budge. And I mean, as long as he continues to produce, then there's no real incentive for them to do that. Right. Like if they have somebody who's producing at something approaching a golden boot, uh, level, then you, you don't necessarily need to snap at the first offer you get. You you want to stand pat and, and hope it, it keeps rising. Um, so I don't think that LAFC are too unhappy that they got to keep Rossi, uh, you know, through this transfer window. Yeah, and I, I would agree with you too. Uh, yeah, of course, I mean, if you can have Rossi back, that's an amazing thing. I think also the offers that were publicly, you know, put on Twitter, you know, was speculated that the Reading FC was going to offer offering about ten million dollars. That was just way too low, you know. And I think um, speculated that LAFC want close to twenty million or maybe more, whatever. I think that is the right number. I don't think, you know, like you said, I don't think if you're LAFC, this is not a player you're going to get let go by cheap, even even in this pandemic, even in, you know, whatever's going on. Obviously, we know the market is down, but a, a player like Diego Rossi, you, you just don't let him go for essentially free. I think, you know, if, if it's around 18, 20 million, uh, that's that if that's where the number is that seems pretty fair to me because you know he's proven himself day in and day out in this league and he's proven that you know he's just getting he's he's just getting he's getting better and better and and it also signifies that you know what LAFC have done what Diego Rossi is working and he's one of the players that you know like you said if if they can't sell him they're, they're happy to have him back and you know bring him back with Carlos Vela you know add add more pieces to the side but I think I'm also interested to see um where he goes because I think a player like Diego Rossi really it really matters where he ends up you know whether it's the Premier League you know or and I don't think he he's a type of player that you take him to the second division he's he's a he's a main candidate he has to go to the Premier League one of the you know one of the better clubs that are actually up there and not a second division type of uh, 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 
team, you know, I don't see that. And I think if you're LFC, you wait and you see where it comes. And if, for example, say Liverpool comes or, you know, Chelsea comes or, you know, Barcelona, whatever, then it makes sense because those teams have the money to spend and it proves, it proves LFC model and what that has going and what's going on there. Yeah, I agree. I think Reading, that was another reason why the Reading link really didn't make sense. And um, of course you see the, responses from Reading fans were like, oh, LAFC is a fake club. You know, they have no fans. Like they're, <laughs> they you know, said that? they're nobody's who cares wow. about them. But I feel, you know, Reading may have a, an illustrious history. Um, and I'm not trying to disrespect the club by any means, but I agree with you that I think Rossi is a player who should be at playing at a higher level. Um, you know, I think a trajectory similar to Miguel Omiron is kind of what we're, we're all yep. kind of projecting for him it's going to be hard for him to break into a, you know, a title winning side, a, 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 you know, very top tier champions league side on the move to Europe. But I think if you get into a mid tier um, team where they have a commitment to actually play you, and of course they have to have the spending power to actually, you know, shell out some cash to buy a player, but you know, like a, I mean, Fiorentina has kind of gone off the boil in the last few years, but like a, you know, Fiorentina type club, a team that is firmly in the first tier you know, generally is thereabouts to get into Europe, but isn't a, a title contender, uh, cycles through players quite a bit. So they, they play pretty much who they have on the roster. Um, you know, that's kind of the situation that we want to see uh, Rossi go to, or, or like with Almiron, uh, Newcastle, which is a little bit of a bumpy spot for, for Almiron, but I think after a, an acclimation period, he's, he's made it work and he's very well respected at this point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the other part is like, if it were, you know, if it, like, if it were West Brom that was trying to get Rossi, I think you might say, all right, well, what's the price they're talking? Like, maybe mm-hmm. this is something that's doable, even though West Brom is going to be in a relegation battle, he's probably going to have a hard time. Um, and he's going to have to adjust really quickly if they, if they give him the, the playing time. Um, but that is a little more palatable than going to Reading where they may contend to get promotion, but um yeah, I think you would only do it in limited circumstances. You know, if you're selling to a Leeds when they were in the championship and they had Bielsa as a manager, okay, that's an exception. You can do that. But uh, I don't, you know, I don't know if Reading is is kind of where you want to plant your flag if you're selling a, you know, a premier star uh, that you want to cash in on. Yeah. And I also get the sense, I mean, this is just pure speculation that LAFC are looking to sell. They're not looking to loan with an option to buy i think they're looking to sell like if you're going to come and get rossi you're going to pay 20 million dollars or whatever the number is right whatever the number is i just have a feeling that they're looking for a team that comes in and buys him and you know obviously with everything we said you know it has a whether it's a mid-tier high-tier team um i think they're looking for a team because i think they could have they could have loaned him out this transfer window i think there was options i'm pretty sure there was a lot more options than we publicly know but i, I get the sense that lafc potentially looking for a team to come in you know whatever the number is come in and sell Daryl rossi for that price tag and i don't think they got that number and i think they're willing to have them bring him back because i think the option was there to loan him out to any any potential team and they could have done the same thing that Orlando did, you know, put that price, you know, loan with the option to buy it, but they just didn't did, do that. And I, that kind of tells me that they're looking uh, for someone to, to buy them. Do you get the same sense? Uh, I do. Although I think that you do have to account for the fact that there are occasions when I think loans are useful, or, you know, maybe for accounting reasons, a team just absolutely has to do a loan first and then they have an automatic purchase uh, option at the end or something like that. 
you know, like if Arsenal said, we will only take yeah. Ross on loan. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, yeah. LAFC would say, okay, fine. That's, that's okay. We'll take the gamble there. But, um, but yeah, I, I agree with you that ideally they don't want a back and forth situation. They don't want a team to just rent him and, um, you know, give him back and maybe he plays 60 minutes and, you know, four months or something like, you know, something really bad like that. And it doesn't get sold on. Um, I think they're aiming for a, a sell on and, um, you know, that's kind of the priority number one. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad you, I think we're all, we're all kind of on the same page there. Um, but now like, obviously there was another player and it was Brian Rodriguez and Brian Rodriguez, um, you know, publicly he came out last week to the Uruguayan, um, you know, media. There's just a timeline here that he wasn't coming back to the yes and that his wish was to play in Europe. And, you know, he publicly said that. I think he knew every intention he had with saying that. And he really wanted to force his way out of LAFC. Um, and it was and it was just clear to me at that point that, you know, him, Brian Rodriguez and LAFC relationship, whatever they had, went out the window. Um, there was just so many things going on there that I don't think you could have had that player come back. And he essentially forced his way out. He got what he wanted. And I think if you're LAFC, this was their biggest investment. You know, it's been reported that they paid $11.5 million dollars. That's the number that's there. I've been, I've been also, I've also seen that it's a lot lower, but, you know, as of now, the team has not, you know, confirmed those numbers. But th- this is, I think it, at the time, it was a third biggest uh, signing, or the third biggest transfer signing. Um, and for it to go the way it did, um, I don't know. I don't know if that's, I think fans are happy that Brian Rodriguez is also on loan. But I also think if you're LAFC, this is not the way you expected it to go, right? With, you know, with him not, one, not performing the way everybody expected him to perform and just the way he, you know, forced his way out. You know, typically in a normal situation, a normal relationship, you talk with the club like, hey, I no longer want to be here. You don't talk to the media, you know, just like, hey, I want to go out there. And I just got the sense that those conversations, they were past that situation and he, and he forced his way out. We also know that, you know, teams like uh, Brazilian club Flamingo were interested. I think Calgary a couple of weeks ago was interested and he ultimately ended up going to Almeria. Um, it was a loan with an option to buy. And I think the deal, it can become a permanent transfer. Um, I think it's until 2021, uh, May 20, is it 2022? When the when the loan expires, I believe. No, the loan will expire in May, so it's only for a few months. For a few months, for a few months, correct. Um, so I think that just makes it interesting, right? If you're if you're LAFC, and I think another component that adds to this, we don't know when the when the season, um, when the ML season is going to start, right? So, you know, they want to get him off his books potentially. But what what were your initial thoughts of the whole situation that happened here with Brian Rodriguez? Well, there's a lot of thoughts, obviously, from a lot of different perspectives, but I think you're right that the, you know, LAFC lost most of their leverage in the situation. Um, and I think that's kind of reflected in who ended up picking him up. And it's another situation where Almeria is uh, contending for promotion to La Liga. There's a pretty good chance they're going to end up uh, getting it, but, you know, it's the, the deal's not done yet. There's not daylight between them and the, the rest of the pack. And um, there's two teams up there at the top of the standings alongside them so um you know they're, they're going to be battling for promotion and in spain it can be pretty tricky uh you know if, if you don't win the league outright um you know getting into the playoff and, and getting through that is is really pretty tricky because the spanish pyramid i think is extremely cutthroat especially in the second division to get up to la liga as you would expect 
Um, but yeah, that took away the leverage from LAFC with, with Rodriguez saying, well, I'm not coming back to LA. So, you know, like they better figure it out. I think at the same time, we've known since basically the day that Rodriguez signed with LAFC that uh, his agent was shopping him around. Like he, you know, he, he's been pretty uh, aggressive as far as continually planting those, those rumors or kind of hinting, you know, dropping hints that, oh, this Italian team is looking at him. This Italian team is looking at him. Um, and I think also to an extent, the fact that Rodriguez forced uh, LAFC's hand meant that he didn't get, you know, picked up by one of those, those clubs, even if they were kind of lower uh, table teams in Serie A, he didn't even get into a, you know, first division side, but since they were so desperate to get to Europe, um, you know, they, they did it by any means necessary. He got what he wanted. Um, I think there's a potential that it could work out fairly well um, as far as him performing and helping him get up to La Liga and, um, you know, getting what he wants in the long run. But I think it's kind of a roundabout way to do it. And, um, you know, from LAFC's perspective, I think they have to leave the door open in case he doesn't work out at Almeria and then his loan ends. Um, you know, if, if he doesn't play very well or if he gets hurt early on, um, you know, he may not be able to go on strike with LAFC. He may have to come back and, and, and try to get back into the lineup and then try to get another move. Um, so LAFC weren't necessarily like, you know, well, we're so insulted by our players' performance, you know, our players' conduct in this uh, aspect. So, you know, we're washing our hands of him. No, they said, oh, well, we hope that he does well in Europe and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. And I think that's kind of how they have to play it at this point, um, just to keep their options open. And, and in the event that Almeria doesn't pick him up and, and buy him outright, they have to hope that some other team comes in and, and is able to do that. Um, you know, as long as the, I guess the purchase price is halfway decent and we don't know at this point what, what the purchase uh, option is for this deal. So that obviously plays a huge role in how you evaluate the potential transfer down the line anyway. Yeah. I think that another thing that also makes it so difficult for LAFC <clears throat> is what, is what I said is what they spent to get them, right? If they bought them for two, three, six million, right. You know, they would, you know, take, most of the, I think some of the offers that would come to them, but you want to get a return on your investment. If it is $11.5 million, you're looking at least maybe 15 at the lowest, you know, you're yeah, 13. And, I mean, I, I don't know if they've got into La Liga, if Almeria would be willing to pay, you know, um, in the double digits, uh, maybe, but my inclination is no, they wouldn't. So, um, but I also was working under the assumption that uh, his purchase price from by LAFC was somewhere around eight, eight and a half million. So that makes it a little more palatable if, if you get even under the odds, as long as it's not significantly under the odds um, in a transfer fee back to recoup some of that. Okay. Let's, let's just go with that. Let's say it's 9 million, right? 2 million, I guess, but you're not going to want to sell them. I don't think for 11, 12, I think if that's the only thing I guess you have. And I think that, I think that's why it makes it so difficult because, um, I don't. I don't really think I'm, I'm Maria um, are willing to pay more than that, right? I don't. I don't know if they're going to be able to. Work. And I think if you're LAFC, this is little your biggest investment, and it has not worked out. And I think. And now you have the player. He forced a hand. Um, he held all the leverage. He knew. He knew what he was doing, and he knew the best way to do it. And that's what he did. And I think why it gets so tricky for LAFC. It's clear to me that there was barely any interest 
to for any team in Europe to buy Brian Rodriguez. That's another thing that adds on to this. It wasn't like, you know, you had, you know, the other teams like Calgary and but they weren't willing to pay what LA exactly. Was. Like I think that's part of where the I think that's part of where the pandemic and how that's affected yep. the transfer market hurts because for lower table teams like a Calgary, um to an extent of Bologna, like they're they're not gonna pay. $14 million for a player. They want to get guys for three, four, five exactly. million at most and buy a few of them and hope that some of them pan out. You know, they're they're much more budget conscious. And I think the expectations of, you know, making a swoop to get uh or even if it's an Uruguayan international, it's like in this market, I don't know. You know, I don't exactly. I don't know if that's really there. So I think you're absolutely right. And I think I think that's what's the the most difficult thing about this is I feel like LASC overpaid for Brian Rodriguez. Um, just because of the performance, right? We knew we knew he played for Uruguay. We knew he, he was a big name. But I think once after the fact, and you saw his performance at the LAFC, and I was just like, I don't know if this is going to be a good investment. Right now, how it says it doesn't look that way, and it doesn't look like any team in Europe, any of the teams are, that have the pockets to do it, they don't show no interest in Brian Rodriguez. And if you're LAFC, you, you know that at this point. And you know you had – I think you had to take the big, the best offer. And I think – Another thing was, you know, I was told that, you know, the Brazilian club was interested, but I don't think, I don't think LAFC wanted to loan them out to, this is just speculation. This is not what what I've been told. I don't think LAFC wanted to loan them out to Flamingo. I think that was a last case scenario. I think also Brian Rodriguez, he said he wanted to go to Europe. And I think there was a big incentive or big push for LAFC to send them to Europe and not to to send them back to South America um, because it wouldn't, it would... You have bigger pockets in Europe is what I'm saying. You know, you have bigger pockets that, you know, he can get the more exposure out there. Yes, I know teams look look to Brazil. I know teams look to South America. But I think once you're in Europe, you have other clubs around there. And I think it just it just gets very interesting because let's say the worst case scenario, he comes back to LAFC. The fans don't want him back from what I've read and from what I've seen. You know what I'm saying? You're going to have to keep an open DP spot. I don't, you know, until end of May, because if you don't know what's going to happen with this deal. And also, I think the most important thing, you know, I was trying to get clarification on this. What, what, it, what are the, you know, what are the certain conditions that need to be met in order for Almeria to buy him? Is it, is it the percentage of games played? Is it the number of assists? You know, that's where it's really gets tricky. Yeah. I mean, we, we haven't gotten any, uh, insight as to what the performance metrics are. And I'll admit that that was something that was a little bit unusual for me because um, obviously in an MLS context, that's not a, a provision in, in loans and in loans, it's, there's always a purchase option, um, but it's not tied to specific metrics of, you know, performance. Uh, we see performance metrics when it comes to like uh, allocation money kickers on trades or uh, sell-on fees, that kind of thing. But we don't see it when it comes to actually triggering a, a transfer itself. Um, you know, maybe it's as simple as if uh, Almeria make it to La Liga, then that clicks in. I mean, it could be something like that. It was it was worded ambiguously enough that it it may be connected to the team's performance. It may be connected to Rodriguez's individual performance. Um, so I'm not entirely sure, although I, I would imagine in a situation like this, we will get more insight on the Spanish side um, than mm-hmm. we will on the MLS side. That That's not going to be something they're necessarily going to be um, coming out with and, and disclosing, I don't think. So that's something we'll have to keep an eye on, I guess, in the Spanish press and see if, if something like that drops, that we get a little tidbit on, on what exactly the, the trigger is for, for purchase. 
Yeah, and then just to go back, I, I spoke with one of the reporters in, in Italy that he had inside of the Calgary deal, and he said that it was 75. If you, Rodriguez played 75% of the games, um, that was that was you know that was some of the conditions Calgary would be interested in buying him. I'm assuming that <clears throat> something like that you know, whether it's performance and then, you know, America make it to La Liga, you know, the first division that has to tie in. But I think it's tricky for LAFC because you, you, you're you going, you're you're counting on a player. I don't think LAFC wants, this is another speculation. I don't think LAFC wants, I don't think the fans want him back. The player, we know Rodriguez doesn't want to be back in LAFC. He wants to be in Europe. He wants to stay in Europe. But if it doesn't work out, is LA, I think how, how, you know, how are you going to make that work? I think you just got to hope for the best and, you know, kind of, you kind of, LAFC is a little handcuffed to, to May, you know, they're, they're handcuffed. Yeah. They're, they're really handcuffed. There's no other way to put it. They're, they're handcuffed to May to Brian Rodriguez. And you've seen the best of Brian Rodriguez with LAFC and it, it hasn't been good. And I think that has to put a lot of worry in you because, if he doesn't do good, I think your investment of nine or whatever it is, 11, point, 11 million, whatever it is, it's probably going to go down the drain if he doesn't do good. Yeah, I mean, it very well could. I will say that I think we've seen situations in in the sport in the past where a player goes on loan, he thinks he's never coming back, it doesn't work out, maybe he has to eat some humble pie and come back. And, you know, fences can be mended in, in some situations. Um, you know, so I, I'm... Personally, I don't necessarily expect him to come back, but I'm not saying that if the conditions existed for him to return to LAFC, that it would automatically be toxic. It couldn't work out. You know, I mean, he may go to Europe and find that, okay, Bob's, you know, not so bad after all, or, you know, <laughs> like that, you know, that kind of thing. Like it, it, it may, he may grow up a little bit, you know, he's only 20 years old. So maybe he just needs a little more maturity, um, stuff like that, you know, that can change a player. So um, yeah, I don't expect he's going to return, but I don't think that the door is hundred percent closed at this point. And I think that if it doesn't work out for him, I don't necessarily think LAFC are going to say, okay, well, we're not going to bring you back. You're, we're just going to let you, you know, eat through the rest of your contract and you're going to be suspended. You know, they're not going to do something like that. I think they're going to try and keep the door open just in case they need to mend fences and, and see if they can make it work. And, um, that's, pretty much all they can do at this point. I mean, that's the only leverage that they would potentially have is, is to kind of keep the door open in case it doesn't work out for the player and, and to see if, if he can come back and, and come good. But yeah, it's a, it's a tough situation for the club and they just had to kind of make the best of a, a pretty tough situation for them. Um, you know, and we'll see what, what happens, but hopefully they're hard at work on scouting for a summer DP uh, just in case. And, you know, there's been two, designated player two third designated players have gotten so far and um neither one's been home runs their first two dps were obviously absolute grand slams um to use another sports analogy but um they need to kind of see if they can finally crack that third dp and get somebody who's who can really elevate the team um alongside rossi and and bella because that's honestly what they need for the next you know the next one yeah. And just, and just to finish off of this, what, what do you, in your eyes, what do you think went wrong with Brian Rodriguez and LAFC? Uh, well, like I said, I think he was really desperate to not stay here for too long. And so, you know, his agent has been doing his job, you know, I, I kind of disparaged it earlier, but I mean, to be fair, the agent was doing his job and in, in shopping him around aggressively and, and, you know, that's within his right to do. 
um, even if it was maybe a little bit distasteful at times. Um, and so, you know, he's an ambitious guy and I think that that's a good thing. Um, I think I think there may be some maturity issues um, with him to an extent because we saw him play regularly. Like he was playing a lot um, with LAFC. He, he didn't lack for opportunities. And I will say his assist total were very quietly quite good. And that's something that I think nobody really paid much attention to um, when evaluating him. Certainly he did not score very much and, and that's a, a, an issue, but it, you know, he, he did help with assists in, in 2020 and kind of got into some rhythm, but it just never really fully clicked. And um, you know, Bob at a few points kind of hinted that he needed more buy-in from, from Brian. So I think it may have just been a little bit of a mindset thing, a little bit of a maturity thing of, you know, he's working pretty hard, but maybe he's only working at 65% capacity. Whereas somebody like Rossi was locked in and, and, you know, brings it a hundred percent every time those kind of things, I think were, were kind of what um, meant he didn't really take off in the way that we expected he would. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I think towards the end of the season, mentally, he was already checked out. And I think I don't think Brian Rodriguez was here for the right reasons, was in LAFC for the right reasons. And what I mean by that, I think he was he just saw it as a pit stop. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to go to Europe. I don't think there's anything wrong. You should go. You should have those ambitions. You should have ambitions to be the best player and want to go wherever you want to go. I don't I don't I don't knock him for that. That you you have every right. I think on LAFC side though, you, you have to look after this experience. The next player you bring, the next young talent you bring up, you have to know that they're coming here for the right reasons. Like, Hey, this is not a one year, two year thing or whatever. It may be a one year thing. It may be a two year thing, but I think you have to have better conversations. The next young prospect you bring into LAFC, because this could be a two to three year project. And the player's like, yo, I'm only going to be here for a year. Then I'm out to Europe. Like I'm, I play for the national team. I'm from, you know what I'm saying? That's the sense that I got from Brian Rodriguez. That's the sense that I felt. And I, I don't think LAFC and Brian Rodriguez were on the same page on that. You know, I, I, I think they all assumed that, you know, he, he eventually wanted and was going to go to Europe. But I think they were both on different pages of when that actually was going to happen. I think for LAFC side, they wanted him to prove himself, him to help out the team. And if it didn't have that, you know, we'll give you, hey, stay here with us another year. We'll make it happen next year. We got you. But I don't think Brian Rodriguez saw the same thing LAFC did. And I think that's when you when you go out there and you recruit, you bring those top talents. I think you really need to sit down, have those conversations, be like, hey, this is a one to three year project. Within these two, three years, we're, we're, our goal is to have you go to Europe or within, a, you know, this is a one year. And I think they might have had those conversations and might have not. I don't know. But I think you really need to hone in on the next young prospect that you bring in. Yeah, I mean, that that all makes sense to me. I think that's that's prudent on both sides for sure yeah all right so let's talk about let's let, let's put the, the theoretical thing out there everything goes well for brian rodriguez he's gonna you know how mary ends up buying him where do they where should do they use that third DP, dp spot on uh they should probably still look for an, an attacker um because i think you have to have a a plan in place for two possibilities for Rossi getting sold on and for Vela retiring. Um, you know, Vela may play several more years, but I think we all know that uh, while LAFC have, have really gotten the best from Vela, um, he may not want to play, you know, until he's 40. And I wouldn't be shocked if he retired well before then. So 
in that situation, I think they need to have, and I think that was partly why they got Rodriguez was because they expected to sell Rossi and, and then that hadn't, you know, that didn't happen in, in that time frame that they were expecting. Um, but I do think that they have to plan for the future and, and kind of um, the contingencies of, of Rossi departing eventually and Vela departing eventually and having something in place for one or both of them. Yeah, I think, you know, I put a, I put a poll up there and I, you know, I asked, it was like, you know, you know, who they should they use at the 30 people spot? And I, as of this, you know, this recording, I, you know, striker is 74%, wingers 8% and midfielders 8%, 18%. There's been a lot, a lot of people want a true number nine. They want a true number nine. They want LAFC to bring in a, a number nine. They don't want LAFC to use a winger. Um, we obviously know that, you know, Danny Mosevsky's there. He, he's proven to be uh, very, very solid at times. I know towards the end uh, of the CONCACAF, he wasn't really at his best. They also drafted um, Danny Trejo. I don't know how much he'll, he'll be able to come in and impact the team right away, but we know he's going to get an opportunity. But the biggest name that's been speculated out there by the MLS guys is Kuno Guardo. I know he's still in contract with them, and I think they, they want they, – they, they're speculated that LEFC should go after him, after him. I think that only makes sense if you – if you if he comes on a free transfer, and that and that means I think if LAC were to get a player of that caliber, that brings in um, a player that you want to win now and not to build to the future, right? That's that and that's not really LAFC's model as of now. We've seen at times get Bradley Wright Phillips, right? a player that's a little bit older. But what are your thoughts on on the the speculation of LAFC going after Kunaguero? Yeah, I don't know if they're actually going after Aguero, but I, I do think that there's some logic to it. I mean, I think part of why they brought in like Kenneth Vermeer, for example, last year was because they thought they were one piece away from, you know, from contending. Um, they had a tough year and they weren't quite one piece away, although they obviously almost lifted a title by year's end. Um, they are really close. So I think that if the price point is okay, and I think you're right that he needs to come on a free, but as long as he's not commanding 15 million in salary or something, you know, something that's within MLS budgets. Um, I think Aguero is, is very tempting. Uh, obviously he's had some injuries the last few years and he, he's getting pretty old, but I think um, he's an intriguing player that you would say, you know, does he seem like he still has it? And does he seem like he, he can light it up in MLS? And I think there's a pretty good chance of, of yes in, in both. So um, for me, he's intriguing. Um, he's not going to be somebody who gets you the, spotlight the Hollywood spotlight right like he's not a Beckham he's not a household name but he's somebody who's a good soccer player um, who soccer fans definitely you know enjoy and who has a long track record of success and of winning titles with you know teams that had not won titles right like obviously uh, he helped Man City win their first title in decades um, you know so he has that some of that experience and and I think he, that'd be pretty useful but uh I don't know if LAFC honestly are, are going for a player like him or not, because like you said, the model um, is to try and go younger and flip assets. Um, and, and I think in a lot of ways, that's a very sustainable and smart strategy. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you just need one player, you know, he's not a bad one player to, to go for. Yeah. And I think the sense that I get from LAFC fans, they feel like that one player is at that number nine spot. Um, you know, I would I would also argue that you know you need a little bit more than just a number nine. I think the the goalkeeper situation is still 
uh, unknown run is still tricky. But I think if you do bring Kuna Guerrero, a player like that caliber that, you know, a lot of people want a true number nine, I think that really does open up the doors, uh, you know, for, for, for Vela and Rossi and, you know, uh, having the opportunity to lift the trophy uh, this upcoming year. Cause I think that is the biggest thing that LAFC wants to do. I know the fans want it. I know they came so close, you know, just losing to Tigres, but I think they really, they really want to lift that trophy. And I think, if they do go a player, they go a little bit outside their model. I don't think that's wrong. I don't, I don't really think there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you make it a short-term deal or whatever, and you're still able to have, you know, some, some type of hybrid thing that you still have the young players. We know they got like a Poku. They got a lot of young talent within this team. And I think bringing a player like Kuno Guerrero, who's a little bit older, but if he can help you win now, I don't think it's going to be the worst, worst scenario for LAFC. You know, I think, I think there's, there's, there's so many possibilities that could happen, but I think we have to, I think LAFC, he's going to have to wait till the summer till everything's figured out with Brian Rodriguez and that opens up the, the DP spot. Right. So who, who, who are some of the players you think are going to fill up, fill, fill in that role from Brian Rodriguez while he's gone? I think it's going to be similar to what we saw at the end of last season. It's going to be some rotation of the younger players. I think Masovsky is going to get plenty of run as long as he stays healthy. Uh, Christian Torres, I thought was, was really promising as a very young player in limited minutes last year. So I expect him to get more run. Obviously, Mahalo Poku um, had that very timely goal in, in Champions League. He's also one for the future who can feature. I think there's a good chance that Danny Trejo will get signed um, and he'll be part of that mix as well. And if LAFC don't bring in a number nine to start the season, then what I would expect is that uh, committee of, of young up-and-comers are just going to rotate and then they'll let the chips fall where they may. And if there's a player or two who kind of emerges from that group and is, you know, in form and is scoring goals, then I think Bob's going to, going to go with that guy. Um, and it, you know, if it's not, then they'll just keep rotating until they find, you know, some, some guys who, who fit. And, um, you know, for fans, I think it's going to be, I think some fans are going to be really excited by that because there's going to be opportunities for young players and, and LAFC in the past have had a really fixed, attacking group. And so until last year, we didn't see youngsters get a lot of time. Um, and other fans, I think are going to be really frustrated because they want the biggest names possible. And, um, you know, for all that Danny Masovsky did as a surprise player, I think uh, there are going to be those who are underwhelmed with having him lead the line. And, you know, to an extent, we won't really be able to tell until the games start playing, whether, you know, whether it's a smart decision to do that or not. But I think that that's definitely going to be what they do. And then once we get to the summer transfer window, we'll get some clarity maybe on Rodriguez's situation and then the team can kind of progress from there. Um, but yeah, I, I expect it to be giving the young guys a chance alongside the two stars and, and kind of seeing what happens. Yeah. And you also got our Corey, Corey Baird, uh, Corey Baird, that, of course, Corey, Corey of Baird course. into that mix. And, you know, that to me, one, I think once that happened, I was like, okay, Rossi or Rossi or Brian are leaving. That, that's, that's what the sensor got. Uh, that they, you know, for them, for him to bring bring a player like that, and I'm, I'm very interested to see how Corey Baird fits into this mix because there's so, like you said, all the players, Mahala, Danny Masovsky. Um, you know, I, I think he, from what I've read and what I've seen, he's kind of like a hybrid. He, Corey Baird can play the number nine, but he, he also could play the wing. You know, so I'm very interested to see um, how he finds it fits into the mix. You know, and also like Christian Torres, man. That, that he seems to be the future, right? So you will have to get him some games. You have to get him some minutes, even if it's off the bench. And I think, you know, it, it makes it exciting, you know, 
if you're on the team, it makes it exciting because you know one spot one spot is open and you're gonna I think the competition is gonna it's gonna open from there. And I think but on the other side of see there's a lot of uncertainty uncertainty. You do have some players that that have proven themselves, but where are you going to put him, right? Is, is it, is, like you said, is it going to be a mixture? Are you going to go straight with Danny Masevsky? Are you going to bring another player? Are you going to wait? I think you're going to have to wait till the summertime to to see what that DP option. And I don't think the fans don't know that. I think that that may bother a lot of fans um, because I think it makes it difficult if you bring, if you do bring in a, uh, it makes it interesting if you bring in a, a, th- a third DP right now before Brian Rodriguez's, uh, you know, situation is handled. Um, yeah, do you think they I- would do that? No, I think there's like zero chance that's going to happen. I just think that the potential that the Rodriguez move doesn't work out, um, like no team wants to uh, have to deactivate a a DP from their roster because they have too many DPs. Like that's just not, uh, you know, that's not going to happen. So either they're going to have complete assurance that Rodriguez is is not coming back or they want to make sure that the paperwork is filed and he's gone for good before they, they fill it. I don't, I don't think there's any chance that LAFC gets a, a DP, even if they have one lined up, they're going to wait until the Rodriguez situation is cleared up or they clear another DP slot before they move on to the next one. Yeah. Another thing that I could, that I could see happening is, um, they, I don't know how their the financial situation, but they do have Tam, and I don't know how much Tam, you know, tar- target allocation money they have, but they could do that to potentially bring a player like Kunaguero. Um, you know, if, if if that's the route they want to go, that is one option. But we don't know the the financials and you know what they have. But that is one possibility if they do feel like they can. You know, if Kunaguero or a player like him is 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 within the realm they do have that option that we don't know the financial stuff because i think you have to i think the most you could play a temp pay a temp player is 1.25 million or 1.5 million around there i'm, I'm just speculating so you would have to do some talking with the Guerrero, and then i think if you bring them that way then you you know you have some creativeness and you have some flexibility and it would give you a year to finally finalize everything what happens with Brian Rodriguez. Um, but yeah, I, I could see that happening. Let's just finish up here with, with the goalkeeper situation. Uh, we know they signed uh, Tomas Romero. He doesn't look like to be uh, coming in to fight uh, for the number one spot. No disrespect uh, to him, but he's a, he's a very young player. We do not think he's on the, he made it to the El Salvador uh, national team. I don't have that information on him and I haven't really seen him play. But I think right as of right now, it's between uh, Pablo Cisnegas and, and Kenneth Vermeer. Obviously, we expect the season to start April 2nd, April 3rd. Um, but we don't know. There's there's still the players may get locked out. There's a whole nother issue going on. But let's say the season starts in April. Uh, who would you like to see start a goalkeeper for LAFC? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think... I think Vermeer did a good job in, in redeeming himself to a large extent with the Champions League run. Um, he really was pretty weak uh, prior to that. I think he, you know, he just had a really rough time. And I think the Champions League, um, you know, validated him a little bit because before that it, it was really rough. And not to say that Cisniega has been perfect. Uh, Cisniega has had some bumps along the way too, but I thought he came on and I thought he improved quite a bit last year. And um, cut out some of the nervy moments and possession and, and things like that. Like, it seems like he's getting more familiar with playing with, you know, through his feet and, and, you know, trying to integrate with the team a little bit more in that side, because I think his, his shot stopping is, is pretty good. Um, I think probably I would be inclined to go with Cisniega because personally, just because 
he's younger. He seems to have more of a runway to kind of be the established starter for a long time. Um, you know, if you really can kind of lock it in. Um, but I don't, I don't have anything against Vermeer. And I think to me, it seems pretty likely they're going to have a trade-off again until one of them screws up too much or one of them gets it for good. And, you know, it's, it's going to be kind of a competition throughout. I would not be shocked in the least if, if there is a uh, dueling goalkeepers again in 2021, um, if neither one really distinguishes himself or disgraces himself along the way. Yeah. And I, I have the same feeling. I don't think that's, I have the same feeling that, that you have about, you know, going back and forth with the goalkeepers just because of what we've seen um, from them this, this last year. I think it's unfortunate if you're lazy. I don't think that's the best recipe for success, but I think I really true, truly feel like you, sometime, or someday LAFC are going to have to just ride with one and, you know, cut their losses with the, with the other goalkeeper. Because I think the, some of the speculation and perspective is if you keep going back and forth on goalkeepers, the goalkeeper loses confidence within itself. You know, the, the coaching staff may not believe in me, you know, loses confidence within himself and he feels shaky the next time you give an opportunity if it happens more than once, I think if you do it a couple of times, I mean, if you do it like once or whatever, you're in your spot back, but we've seen too much back and forth with these goalkeepers. And I think there's no clear direction. Like, Hey, we a hundred percent trust you. You're going to be our goalkeeper for this year. It's more like, all right, you know, if they mess up once they're, they're, they're I think they're going to have in the back of my mind. I don't want to mess up. I don't want to mess up. And you mess up and you know, you're getting pulled. It, it, it's a very, it's, I think if you're a goalkeeper, it's very um, difficult to live like that and live with that pressure that you know that your job may may you know if you make one mistake you may be pulled the next game and and that's it you know and I don't think that really helps a goalkeeper I don't really think it helps build the trust within the team the coaching staff and I get it if you're LAFC you want to put the best player out there but I think the going back and forth really adds to a lot of the confusion so I guess we'll have to see what happens and I think it's uh, interesting that they sign uh Tomas Romero um but yeah do you have do you have anything anything more to add before we wrap things up uh, I would just say on, on that last point, I think, um, you know, the example of Tyler Miller is pretty, pretty uh, you know, a good illustration of, of what you just mentioned, right? Like he had a, a crisis of, of confidence at the very end of his tenure and it pretty much rucked him. Um, so, yeah, you would think that picking, you know, I, I to an extent, I agree with Bob kind of going back and forth because he kept the door open for both players. And I think that that gave them a, hope that they could get back into the lineup and they did, you know, each of them did. Um, but the flip side is if, like you said, if one of them really gets like a terminal case of, of losing their confidence, then that may really come to bite them in a, in a knockout game. And, and that's pretty dangerous. So um, there's a reason that most coaches don't rotate their goalkeepers, you know, but um, you know, Bob has done some things that we don't usually see and it usually works out. So, you know, you're kind of of two minds, I guess, on, on something like this, but yeah. Yeah. Well, well I guess we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We still, we still got a long way to go before the season starts. We'll find out more information. I think of this Thursday, if the players will go on a lockout or not, what would just quick, what, what are your thoughts on, about that? The, the lockout situation and what the league is trying to potentially force on the players? Um. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it, the lockout obviously would be on the owner side. The players are not aiming to go on strike. They want to stay and play. Um, I think it's, um, while I understand the uh, financial impact of, of the coronavirus pandemic on the businesses of all uh, of these clubs and, and owners in some cases taking huge hits as a result, 
Um, I obviously am sympathetic to that, um, but I think also the re-renegotiation of the CBA um, seems to be a little bit craven, and I think uh, the players are pretty frustrated for good reason with it. Um, I, I've i been paying attention to the uh, updates. I'm not paying very close attention because I think it would be pretty silly to lock out uh, the players. So um, may just be wishful thinking on my part, but um, I don't feel like they're going to do a lockout. I, I think they're going to come to an agreement uh, pretty soon, but uh, hopefully we don't have to see you know, an interminable work stoppage as, as they fight over things that have been uh, litigated twice already in, in the past year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel, I feel the same way, you know, I feel the same way you get it, you know, it's a business decision, but to do this over again and, you know, to potentially lock them out, we'll see, we'll see if they're bluff. We'll see if the MLS is bluffing or not, but it, it would, I think if the lockout happens, it would just be devastating. It would just, it just would send the wrong message, not just to your players, but worldwide. Your MLS is supposed to be this league that's up and coming. And then all of a sudden you're, you're locking out the players are like, are they out of money too? I think that may be some of the speculation that may happen, but, but we'll have to see who knows, you know, you never know what the MLS, but it, it happens. But Alicia, thank you once again for joining me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. It's always a, a pleasure to, you know, to pick your brain and hear what you have to say. Let the people know where they can follow you. Sure. You can find uh, my work on a variety of SB nation, uh, California soccer sites, and you can find me on Twitter at soccer musings. Yep. Guys, make sure to give her a follow and definitely read all their articles. She covers both teams, LAFC and LA Galaxy, and plus a number of teams around the league. She's the go-to gal when it comes to soccer stuff here in Southern California and just across the nation as well. Guys, if you guys enjoyed this episode, make sure to give this episode a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can listen to this podcast on Spotify, wherever you get your music. You can follow me on Twitter at GeoGarciaLA. And also make sure to follow us on LA Soccer Hub on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. For Alicia, this is Gio. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye, everybody.